Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And what's up to you wherever you are? Happy Lundi Gras, everybody. Orpheus rolling right now. We'll have parade progress reports with you throughout the hour, but... It's time to talk a little sports. Welcome on into the show. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll tonight until 11 o'clock Central Time. What seed should LSU basketball be in the tournament? And by the tournament, we're talking about the big one, the NCAA tournament. You can log on and cast your vote, www.com or the radio.com app. Tiger basketball, yeah, they won again on the road, defeating Alabama. They get another game on the road, big one against Florida, who beat them in Baton Rouge a couple of weeks ago. But they're just two wins away from clinching an SEC regular season title, a title that, let's be honest here, almost nobody, even the LSU diehards, gave them much of a chance of winning. So we'll talk about that a lot tonight. We've got LSU Bracketology as we get an update from all of the major sites. We have those compiled for you. We'll pass those uh, along. And just really a preview the last couple of weeks here as we – uh, get ready for the NCAA tournament. That's what we're looking forward to now. It's it's now assured that LSU will be a part of that NCAA tournament. They could lose their final two games. They could go one done to the SEC tournament. It would hurt their seed, but they, of course, would be in the NCAA tournament. So got a lot to look forward to for LSU basketball. LSU baseball, however, not so good. A three-game sweep by the Texas Longhorns. What went right? What went wrong for both Tiger squads this weekend? We'll get into that. Not a lot right here for LSU baseball. We'll also have Ben McDonald, who covers the SEC on. He was also on Sports Talk earlier tonight. And, of course, we're just a week away from the start of NFL free agency. A little longer than that. About nine days officially when those deals can be announced. But who should the Saints be interested? What positions? I know Bobby and Christian talked about that a lot earlier tonight. Who would you like them to take a look at? And who do you want them to stay away from? That's all tonight here on the last lap. And the phone lines are open throughout the show. It is three straight hours of Lundi Gras open lines for you. Even if you're heading out to the parade, if you're just getting back, I'd love to hear what the... Look, you can, you can cheer Logan and I up here. As we're not able to catch the parade tonight because we're entertaining all of you. So 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. And the text line open for you. At 870-870. But let's get to LSU baseball because we'll start off with the bad. I usually like to start off with the good, but we've talked so much LSU basketball top of the show the last couple of weeks. I haven't talked a lot of LSU baseball in hour one. And I don't mean to just do this after LSU's coming off their first three losses of the season, but they are front and center right now in the sports world. No longer undefeated. They were number one in the nation when they took on Texas on the road. First time they had been on the road away from the box this year. First time they had played a ranked team, and that wasn't a good combination. 8-1, 8-4, 7-6, they lose, and certainly Sunday was the one that hurts the most. They were up by a couple of runs entering the ninth inning. They turned it over to Todd Peterson, who had been not good not just this year, but also really good last year, too, and he summarily gives up three runs in that inning, gives up the lead, and... 
that is all she wrote. Texas wins that game 7-6. to six. Earlier you had Antoine Duplantis and Daniel Cabrera, the two best hitters on this team, you would think, although Josh Smith might have something to, th- to say about that. But those two guys were up with LSU, a couple of runners on in the middle part of the game, already leading by two. They had a chance to extend that lead. It didn't happen. You don't often see that happen from those guys back-to-back. So it just was not good from front to back here. LSU pitchers all over the place in this series, as those run totals would let you know, giving up 22 walks, 22 of them, plus two more hit batters. So you're talking about 24 guys that get out base either via walk or by the hit by pitch in three games. That's eight per game. That's about one per inning. That is way too much for any team, especially a team that's supposed to contend for a college World Series uh, title this year. And then you had the fact that this was Texas. And probably Joe and Mandeville somewhere is listening or watching or are lovable or hateable, however you want to describe him, a Texas Longhorn buff here locally. We love him. Some of you hate him. I love him. But he's out there, and he's been telling us for weeks this was going to happen, and guess what? It did happen on the road. Hopefully this isn't signs of what's to come on the football field this fall when LSU and Texas play in that early season media. But here's what happens now. For LSU, they drop the polls anywhere from 10th to 14th in those polls. And Texas, who was at 18 in one of the polls, right around there in really all the polls, they now vault up, and they're right in that same hemisphere as LSU. So it was a really bad weekend for the Tigers. They didn't get the timely hits. They couldn't pitch. No starting pitching. We'll get to Zach Kess. We'll talk about him next segment. And also the bullpen just uh, falls apart here. This completely falls apart. And Eric Walker's second start here yesterday wasn't terrible, wasn't great, though, either. Four uh, innings pitched, three earned runs. But now all of those minor issues that really were covered up because of the, the teams you were playing first couple of weeks of the season, those get exposed when you finally play a team like Texas. And these are the kind of teams you're going to face throughout SEC play. Texas wouldn't win the SEC. Texas would be competitive in the SEC, probably host uh, a regional, maybe even, uh, probably not a top eight seed, probably not a super regional host, but they certainly would be hosting a regional. So these are the kind of schools you're going to face throughout SEC conference play when that gets started. And if you're going to have this much trouble on the road, which I don't think LSU is going to have for the rest of the season, you've got major, major issues here. I do think there is two much piling on Paul Maneri over the last couple of days. I know Christian wrote about this, so we let him take the rant on this one, but I really agree with him. Anybody coming after Paul Maneri for this one series got to step back here. Those are just the Paul Maneri haters coming out of the woodwork, and they do so at every opportunity with an LSU loss. This guy's won over 70% of his games. He has uh, been to the College World Series, what, five times in the last decade? You're talking about a handful of SEC titles also, and had the number one team coming into last weekend. You don't jump ship after one bad weekend in baseball. Even the best college baseball teams, they put up series like this. This is why you don't have teams going undefeated in college baseball over this long 50-game schedule. It's also why that the, what, the best college baseball team in history by regular season, well, they lose about eight games. It was Oregon State a couple of years ago. So these happens. And remember, this is going to tune you up for SEC play. The wins and the losses here in non-conference play, they don't really matter because that selection committee, when you're talking about a top eight seed and possible a regional and super regional host, you're talking about a national seed, 
they're not going to look at that through a microscope. What they're going to care about is SEC play. They're going to care about who uh, wins the SEC regular season title. They're going to care about uh, your record in conference play. They're going to care about what you do in the SEC conference tournament. All those things matter a lot more. So for me, very bad weekend for LSU baseball. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that. You don't get swept in three games by anybody if you're the number one seed uh, in baseball, uh, number one uh, ranked team, I should say, in baseball, you, you're not supposed to get swept by anybody. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it was Vanderbilt uh, you were on the road playing. You're not supposed to get swept. But also, uh, the pendulum swung a little bit too far the opposite way. Now, the good news is most of this is getting buried, except for if you're listening to this show, of course, you're a sports diehard like us. But it, it, this is getting buried by Mardi Gras weekend. So most of the casual, and let's be honest here, most of even the LSU fans here for baseball, they're casual baseball fans. They're paying more attention to uh, Indian over the weekend or Bacchus or whatever your parades are locally. So uh, uh, less people would care about this than if it had happened, oh, even this coming weekend uh, when Mardi Gras had died down. So LSU now, they're 8-3 and three, having lost those three games, and they come back with Holy Cross this week. I'll get started with play in a couple of days. Uh, Pelicans, they do, and they have, I believe they've just tipped off. The Pelicans are taking on the Jazz in Salt Lake City tonight. We'll keep you updated on that. Anthony Davis is going to play, uh, of course, because it wasn't a back-to-back game they had yesterday off. So we'll see what happens here. However, Pelicans win again without Anthony Davis a couple of days ago, if you missed that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Pelicans here later in the show, but I think it's pretty telling when the Pelicans are stringing together some wins without Anthony Davis or Anthony Davis on the bench in critical minutes in the fourth quarter, this team just plays a lot better uh, with him. I want to remind everybody here right off top of the show, our Fat Tuesday party is going to be right here on WWL with the crew of WWL tomorrow. So if you're listening now, yeah, you got to be listening tomorrow, whether you're driving to and from your Mardi Gras festivities or whether you're at work like we will be. We're going to bring you Mardi Gras Mumbo Wall-to-wall coverage of the greatest free show on earth. Our WWL Mardi Gras coverage starts at 5 a.m. tomorrow. So what about nine hours from now? That's it. With Dave Cohn and our Carnival preview. And then at 8 o'clock, it's Tommy Tucker and Newell Norman live from the best seats at the party. Gallier Hall with all the sights and sound of Mardi Gras. The marching bands, Mondo Cayo, Jefferson City Buzzards, and Zulu. 11 a.m. Mardi Gras Mambo continues. The sheriff joined by... Ah, yes, the queen of New Orleans media herself, Angela Hill. And Tom Fitzmaurice, it's her tradition. They come by for Zulu, Rex, and Mayor Cantrell. Toast to the kings and queens. And then at 3 o'clock, you can catch our WWL Mardi Gras Mumbo, The Review with Christian Garrick. Scoot's been doing that the last couple of years. Christian is going to do it this year. That's at 3 o'clock. So you can call, text, or Facebook about your Mardi Gras experience all day tomorrow. What you love? Uh, what didn't you like? What makes you crazy? Also, if this is your first Mardi Gras, maybe you're new to the city like I was, uh, what, nine years ago now, or your first time riding with the parade, we'd love to hear from you. Mardi Gras tradition, crew of WWL, live from the greatest free show on earth, 13 hours of wall-to-wall coverage from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. tomorrow. Brought to you by Supercuts, ready every day, and by Sprint. Let the good times roll with unlimited data, talk, and text on WWL. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about Zach Hess. Zach Hess, another poor outing in the Friday night game. A lot of concern around the junior fireballer, and I think there should be. Christian Garrick wrote a piece, speaking of Christian, lots of Christian talk here in the opening few minutes, but I am going to piggyback off that, something I've been talking about for a couple of days now. 
504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. The last lap just getting started. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy Lundy Gras, everybody, on WWL. And welcome back to the show. LSU on the mind today. Happy Lundy Gras, everybody. And for different reasons, LSU on the mind. Of course, LSU baseball getting swept over the weekend. But LSU basketball, the beats Alabama in Tuscaloosa for the 19th time. That's it in the history of that rivalry. We'll talk a lot of LSU basketball as the show goes on, a little bracketology, but we're talking LSU baseball to begin here. And uh, we got to talk about Zach Hess, the Friday night starter, the leader of this rotation again for LSU, and he had another really rough time of it uh, over the weekend. His ERA now stands at 568, 5.68 for Hess after these first few games. And this continues to trend trend from last year when Zach Hess was your Friday night starter to the chagrin of a lot of LSU fans because Zach Hess was so good in that closers role two seasons ago. But last year he struggled, really struggled in that Friday night row. And nobody else is going to convince me otherwise. Some people will say, well, yeah, that was just some bumps along the way as a Friday night starter. I'm sorry, when you have a 505 ERA and you're barely over 500 with that team 7-6, and six, that's not enough, period. That, that's just that's just not enough. Now, Hess right now, he's 1-1 one one after three games with 5-6-8 ERA and eight walks. This guy, this kid, is just incredibly better suited to the closer's role for LSU. That was proven a couple of seasons ago. He has such a high motor. He is so... Uh, gets so high and intense mentally like you need for a closer's role, it is hard to sustain that through five, six, seven, eight innings like you need your Friday night starter in SEC play to do. And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people think that just because you're a great pitcher in one role, you're supposed to be good at everything else. This is this has obviously been disproven at the major league level many times. This goes to every level of baseball. Just because you throw upper 90s and you're striking out more than a batter in inning, and Hess is 16 strikeouts in 12 and two-thirds inning, that doesn't make you a viable Friday night starting pitcher. Go look at Dennis Eckersley. Eckersley was a very good starter, very capable starter, but when he got into the closers role, Dennis Eckersley is a Hall of Famer, one of the best closers of all time. Mariano Rivera started in the minors, turned himself into a closer, and is the greatest closer of all time, and a unanimous Hall of Famer. First time that's ever happened. Zach Hess isn't either of those guys. I'm trying to pretend that he is. But Zach Hess also does not look like the answer as a Friday night starter. It's just a three-game sample this year, but last year we saw a lot more of it. Again, last year, 7-6 and six with an ERA of 5.05. It was one of the reasons why LSU struggled at times in conference play last year. Now, Paul Maneri probably painted himself into a corner because... In his preseason press conference over in Baton Rouge, he told the media that Hess is going to be the Friday night starter all season long. He was asked that directly. In fact, I believe he actually preempted a question from the media on this, saying just before anybody asks, I'm going to let you know Hess is going to be the Friday night starter all season long. And maybe he he believed that, and maybe he still believes it. And I understand why Paul Maneri would think that. 
It's because LSU had a lot of young arms on this staff. Landon Marceau, who is not ready to be a Friday night starter. You think Zach Hess has struggled. Well, Marceau is 3-3 three and three with an 8-5-3 ERA. So obvious Eric Walker isn't ready to be a Friday night starter. Probably never will be. He still works his way back from that injury. Mikael Hilliard started last year, but he doesn't have Friday night starter stuff. He doesn't have number one stuff, especially on a team, again, that's supposed to contend for a College World Series title. Jaden Hill has great stuff, but he's another freshman. It's really unlikely that Paul Miner is going to throw a freshman in there at Friday night. You don't have a ton of options here. You just don't. You've got Marceau, you've got Hess, you've got Walker, you've got Hilliard. But after that, it's a lot of arms that should be situationed in the bullpen. So Zach Hess is probably going to do exactly what Paul Maneri says he's going to do, which is start at Friday night all season long, because frankly, LSU doesn't have better options. But I just wonder if sometime over the next couple of weeks, heck, it might even be happening now, Paul Maneri sits down with his staff and doesn't reconsider what he told us in the preseason, and that was that Zach Hess is going to start Fridays all season long. If you all of a sudden have a pitcher that is proving that he can get out SEC batters at a frequent pace and Zach Hess continues to struggle, it's probably time to rethink that Friday night closers role, uh, Friday night starters role. Hess was the best closer in the country, if not the best, one of the two or three best closers in the country two years ago as a freshman. Acting like it's some kind of slap in the face or disrespect that you put him back in that role is nuts. Look at the way that Major League Baseball is going, which I'm sure is what Zach Hess wants to do for his career once he leaves LSU. He wants to be a pitcher in the Major Leagues. Major League pitching staffs are being turned upside down. You have openers instead of closers. That happened in Tampa Bay last year. Worked pretty successfully. Starters now, on average, are going five to six innings, seven rarely. Closers are going two innings. Middle and long relief, extremely valuable across the league. This old school 1995 notion that unless you're a guy that can go eight innings, get a shutout or a complete game, every couple of starts out is just way too old school. You don't have to be um, that kind of pitcher in college in order to have a successful career at the next level. Just because Zach Hess fails, and that's what he's doing right now, no doubt about it, he's, he's failing at least in comparison to his peers as an SCC Friday night starter he has for the last two years, doesn't mean he's a bad pitcher. This isn't a knock on Zach Hess, but his mentality, his lack of control, and his last a lack of consistency over five, six, seven innings means that he's just better suited to a closer's role, in my mind. Now, LSU, like I said... I understand why they're walking this tightrope. I don't know if they have better options. 504-260-1870, that's the phone number. You can text us, 870-870. Here's a text from the 905. Paul Maneri cannot control what happens on the diamond. No, he can't, other than what guys he's putting out there. Back after the news break. And welcome back to the show. Here's a text from the 985. Sadly, Zach Hess has probably lost in space right now. Memories of his stints in late innings, closer relief is an 800-pound gorilla on the mound and fleeting. Now self-doubt has probably taken over his psyche as a starter. It's a great point. Pitching is incredibly mental task, mental profession. If you're messed up in the noggin and you have self-doubt like this texter says, oh, yeah, 
you're really going to struggle. And you can't afford to be that guy that gets the incredible highs like a closer does, and then all of a sudden drop down and have these incredible lows because you give a couple of hits, you give a couple of runs, you've got to be able to bounce back. It's kind of like an NFL cornerback. NFL cornerbacks have to have the shortest memory of any player because especially in the modern age of football, you're getting torched and beat on every other play. Well, not every other play. You know what I'm saying, though. You're getting torched and beat a lot as NFL cornerbacks. Even the best ones do. Look at Marshawn Lattimore. That's a top-five cornerback in the league. He got torn to pieces by Antonio Brown late in the season. He got beat up in week one by Mike Evans. Still had a great season because he's able to shrug that off and get back out there for the next game, the next play. Starting pitchers have to have that mentality. Closers don't necessarily because they're brought in for, hopefully, three batters. And that's it. Six batters at the most. I got big worries about Zach Hess. Got huge worries about Zach Hess. Two years ago, when he was coming off that sensational season as a closer, everybody was thinking, yeah, this this guy looks like the next next LSU ace, the next Alex Lang or Eric uh, uh, Aaron Nola. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. Remember that last couple of years ago? They had Eric Walker, although he was coming back uh, well late in the season before Eric Walker's injury. This young team with Hess and, and Eric Walker, and then he had Zach Watson and, and Antoine Duplantis and the future still is bright here, but that's what these early season outings are for. You're supposed to get a judge on your roster. You're supposed to get a judge on your lineup. You're supposed to get a judge on your rotation. And I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here. My point is, anybody who's saying that LSU shouldn't at least entertain the idea of somebody else starting in Friday nights is just flat out wrong, period, wrong. Not saying they should do it yet. Told you before, they have limited options for that role, but they at least need to think about it, and he's got to have a contingency plan here should Hess continue to struggle. Christian Garrick's on board with me on this. I've been talking about this, well, like a year and a half now, but Christian wrote a piece today. It's online at WWL.com. Should Zach Hess remain LSU baseball's Friday night starter? He asked you, and that's online right now at WWL.com. Pelicans are in action tonight. They are taking on... Uh, the Utah Jazz in Utah. I was trying to get a score update. It was refreshing on me here. I don't see the score. I know they were uh, trailing by a couple of points just a little bit ago. Uh, but the Pelicans, yeah, they're trailing by six now, 30-24, to 24, as the horn for the first quarter has just sounded. Uh, Anthony Davis is playing tonight. Remember, no back-to-back game. So he's in the lineup, had eight minutes in that first quarter, just four points. Uh, Drew Holiday, who had 29 in that sensational win against Denver a couple of days ago. He's got 10 points so far, Julius Randle, with six points. Lots of Pelicans talk coming a little bit later, and why that it's just obvious to everybody watching that they're much better without Anthony Davis on the court. LSU basketball, they're making news again, making waves. as The Tigers rolled through Alabama over the weekend. It's a great... Um, well, a great few weeks for LSU, even with that loss to Florida mixed in here. You can almost just completely forget about that one. They defeat Alabama 74-69 to on the road. That's now three consecutive wins after that Florida loss. And that's seven out of their last eight. Seven out of their last eight games, including wins against number five, Tennessee, number five, uh, Kentucky. And LSU now in the top ten for the first time in 12 years. Pretty crazy, right? Last time they were in the top ten, you got to go all the way back to 
the 2006-2007 season. They were ninth on December 4th, 2006. Long time coming for LSU. So they're up a couple of spots in the poll. And as we'll get to next segment, this is starting a surge, not just in the polls, which don't matter a lot, but a surge in the net rating, a surge in the Ken Palm and Sagarin ratings, a surge in how the bracketologists are viewing LSU. Save one. There's one holdout here that still isn't as high on LSU as most people are across the country. We'll get to LSU bracketology next segment. I knew that Joe and Mandeville, our, our resident Texas Longhorn uh, fan and Homer, would be listening in tonight on Lundy Gras, of course, after Texas's sweep of LSU. And here he comes, Joe and Mandeville on the line. Joe, what's going on, man? Oh, my God. This is pretty much like the Dallas game. Everybody was saying they'll be up two scores and they'll just cruise in the second half. <laughs> here, it was everybody said LSU would take two of three. I'm like, really? I want you all to soak this in. But real quick, I'm going to be honest with you <laughs> well, I, I did say LSU. Yeah, I said LSU would take two or three, so give it to me, Joe. I, I deserve all the no, wrath I'm and just, ridicule here. I'm just being nice. Just being nice. But seriously, two questions. Okay. All right. Seriously, do you honestly think he has the pitching in order right now? And why on earth is LSU? No. Why is LSU ranked number one? Under no reason they well, should they be ranked been. number one. I mean, no, they, they didn't even make the College World Series last right year. So that was my well. I, that doesn't have anything. That a lot. That doesn't have a lot to do with it. That happens when you're talking about regionals and super regionals. But you're right. LSU should not have been ranked number one, and it's because of the first question, Joe. It's because of that pitching staff that just isn't solidified in that rotation. It's not solidified in middle relief, and all of a sudden you have Todd Peterson giving up a lead in the ninth inning. So all the reasons you brought up there, you're right. I, I, you, they, this, these rankings, this is why in any sport, I just I kind of laugh when you have these preseason rankings when it's kind of a popularity contest. It's like a, a homecoming king and queen or prom king and queen. It's more of a popularity contest and vote when you haven't even seen these teams play. It's crazy. Like how, how in the world are you supposed to know in, in football if LSU's the number 5, 6, or 15th best team in the country before the season? It's more on your name and, and the colors you have and the, the lettering on the front of your jersey and then actually the talent. It was the same thing for LSU baseball. This is a program that has rich history and tradition. They were just in the College World Series final a couple years ago. They had everybody back. I get why everybody was excited. They were number one or number two, depending on the poll, but they shouldn't have been, and this is why. This is absolutely why. I, I think they should be down where they are now, anywhere between 10th and 14th. And by the way, Texas looks like a team – that should be hosting a regional, assuredly, and probably is going to make a super regional, I would think. Pleasant that surprise. Good. I would, yeah, uh, Joe, I would love for Texas to be relevant. Let me ask you this as a Texas fan. I was saying on my program on Friday, I would love LSU and Texas to start a regular meeting um, in, in every sport uh, every year. Would you be on board for that? Oh, my goodness. I'd be on board every day. <laughs> yes. Real quick, let me end it with this. you got to sure. look at the hitting. Did you look at the box score? Look at the oh, hitting. Yeah, Where, was the the Where was DePlantis? Where was DePlantis? Where was Cabrera? The only two you could really depend on with Josh Smith and Zach. 
Yeah, top of the well. Look, they were 0 of 8 combined in that series finale when they gave up the lead late, including a couple of at bats in the middle part of that game when they had to extend the two point lead. You have to have a heart of your order coming through on that. Josh Smith, probably the best hitter on this team right now. The stats would bear that out, but you know, at a career, it's Antoine Duplantis and the young kid Cabrera. They've got to hit. It's a great call, and I look. Let's get usual. All right, Joe. I look, I I usually agree with Joe oddly for most of the stuff, and he's right. He deserves to gloat. I know the LSU fans, they don't like Texas Longhorn fans calling in here and gloating, but when you sweep a series, what else can you do? Text from the 985, does LSU have any starting pitcher that can pitch more than three innings? All the local talking heads media were just flapping their list that LSU had one of the best pitching staffs in the nation. I want to know who those talk, talking heads were, because I actually hadn't heard that. I don't. Was it somebody on our station? I don't think Christian Garrick said that. I've talked to Christian a lot about LSU. They, 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 there's just... Too much uncertainty in that starting rotation. I thought that they had one of the deepest, potentially best bullpens in the country from front to back. When you're talking about uh, possibly two freshman starters in the rotation for your Friday and Saturday night starters or game two and game three starters, and a guy on Friday nights who's coming off a season when he went 7-6 and six with a 5.05 ERA, you uh, text me the names of which talking heads that you're, you're referring to here, 985, because I would have gladly had it out with them on this. There's no way they should be considered one of the – should have and obviously aren't now – one of the best pitching staffs in the country. 504-260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. Let's get to LSU basketball when we come back. I want to go over their bracketology uh, from all the different sites out there and talk about – seeding as now that's front and center as we approach selection Sunday just a couple of weeks away. Seth Dunlap here on the last lap. Well, I will trust your listeners. I'll trust you out there more than me. You probably listen. I'm usually in deep in show prep. I catch some of sports talk. People are saying Christian was all on board. I say people. There's a couple of people texting. Christian was trying to convince everybody that LSU had the best pitching staff in the nation. Christian's never said that to me. I'll talk to him about it. I don't want to impugn Christian here. And certainly there's no bigger LSU baseball fan and insider, I think, in the city than Christian Garrick. But I would have clapped back on that one. We'll talk to him once we get past Mardi Gras here. Christian's going to be hosting midday, a big Mardi Gras review tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Probably be talking a lot of sports there, too. So LSU over the weekend, they defeat Alabama on the road. They're into the top ten for the first time in a dozen years. It's just an incredible season for LSU, one that not many people saw coming. LSU 10th in the Associated Press poll, 10th in the coaches poll. I told you those really don't matter. You think they don't matter in college football anymore. They kind of do more than they do in, in basketball. Even the number one team is never guaranteed a number one seed. The number one team in these rankings never guaranteed a number one seed. I've seen it multiple times over the past decade, decade and a half, where the number one ranked team in the AP Top 25 isn't given a number one seed by that selection committee. They value things like Top 25 wins, road wins, a production when your team is injured, how you're entering the NCAA tournament field. So that gets us to where we need to go with all this and all the other rankings for LSU. Uh, We'll start with net ratings. If you heard RPI in the past, and College football still uses an RPI formula, strength of schedule formula. Well, there's no RPI in college basketball anymore. It's called net rating. They've redefined it as net, N-E-T rating. It's Think of a more sophisticated, new-aged version of RPI that factors in um, 
margin of victory factors in the early games into the season more than the, just as much or almost just as much as the games near the end of the season. So LSU in net rating is 13th. So remember, there's four different regions. So that means in by net rating, they would be a four seed. They would be the top four seed in these rankings. They're right ahead of Wofford. Yes, Wofford, who's number 14 in the net, and right behind Virginia Tech. LSU did not move up in net rating after their victory. The top of the net rating looks like this. Gonzaga, Virginia, Duke, Tennessee. No real surprise there. Kentucky, Houston, North Carolina, and Michigan State, the 5-8 through eight teams. Michigan, Texas Tech, Purdue, Virginia Tech in there from 9 to 12. So that's the net rating. Let's get to Ken Palm and Sagarin. And you, those words, if you're not a college basketball nit or diehard, you're like, what in the world is this? Well, a very simple explanation of Ken Palm and Sagarin. It's Ken Pomeroy's ratings and Jeff Sagarin's rating. They have been doing this for about well, 20 years now, and they use their own proprietary system with strength of schedule, uh, adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency, stuff like that, um, more of an analytical look at college basketball teams, and they rank them, and actually the selection committee is using their stuff. So it's Ken Palm dot com and sagarin dot com and for lsu and ken palm um, they come in here not inside the top 10 either so ken palm not very kind to lsu as far as uh, jeff sagarin goes uh, I should tell you where they are in Ken Palm. They're 18th in Ken Palm, so they're even further back than a net rating. The 17th team is Florida State, 19th is Maryland, so they're right uh, in there. Virginia, the number one team in the Ken Palm ratings. Now, uh, the Jeff Sagarin ratings, uh, also uh, not great for LSU. They're down to 20th in the Sagarin ratings. Again, this takes into consideration a lot of your non-conference strength of schedule. We know LSU, not a great non-conference strength of schedule, and only lost a couple of those games, one to Oklahoma State and one to Florida State. So they're 20th in the Sagarin ratings. These are the kind of things that the, the, the bracket nits, the bracketologists that we're going to talk to, uh, get to here in just a second. It's one of the reasons why they're lagging behind in some of the bracketologists. So the the bracket experts, CBS, ESPN, USA Today, and Blog in the Brackets, there's those four, that's Jerry Palm, Joe Lenardi, a team at USA Today, and then Chris Daubertine at Blog in the Brackets or SB Nation that update their brackets every couple of days, and almost every day now as we get close to tournament time. So we're keeping an eye on these, you know, where they have LSU projected to go. We'll start uh, with Jerry Palm, who joined us, uh, I think he joined us last week, last couple of weeks here on the program, and he has moved LSU all the way up to a two-seed. So LSU, a two-seed in Jerry Palm's bracket out in the West. Now, this would be my dream scenario here for LSU. You know, if you listen to the program a lot, huge Gonzaga fan, grew up in Spokane, Washington. Gonzaga's the one seed there, LSU the two seed in those projections in the West. That would be my dream regional final. Give me a Gonzaga-LSU regional final in Anaheim, and I'd be flying out there to, to catch this for you all. I definitely would. So that's at CBS. ESPN, here's the opposite side of this. Joe Lenardi, probably heard of that name. He was the original bracketologist, been doing his thing for 20 years. He hasn't moved LSU, still 
He has LSU as a four seed in the East region. Now, Virginia is the number one team in the East now with Duke losing again. So LSU, the four seed, writes in the same quadrant with Maryland, and he has them playing in Hartford. So a four seed, two seed for Jerry Palm, four seed for Joe Lenardi. If you go to blogandthebrackets.com, LSU up one spot from the 10th overall seed to the 9th overall seed. Still a three seed, though. He has them out in Tulsa uh, in the Washington, D.C., or the East region, Virginia, and that's Virginia's um, projected region there, too, the number one seed in the East region. USA uh, Today, also, they do it once a week where they unveil their brackets. They had LSU as a three seed last week in the East region. This week... Uh, LSU not in the East anymore. Still a three seed, but they moved out West. So a three seed in the West region, again, Gonzaga almost assuredly going to be the number one seed out in the West region, barring some kind of historic meltdown last couple of weeks in, in their WCC conference play. So two of the bracketologists have LSU in the East region. Two of them have in the West region, and they're anywhere from a two to a four seed. That's pretty much standard. That's exactly where you could expect them to fall right now. I would think that they're a three seed. I would be a little shocked if you see them playing up in Hartford in the first round. It's not really about the regional finals in the second weekend of the tournament. You could be in the West region playing in Hartford or playing in Jacksonville. It just depends on how the selection committee does those pod systems. So I am curious. What do you think about LSU's projected seed here? LSU basketball. Winners of seven out of their last eight, not moving up a ton in these projected seeds. Give me a call, 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Text line is 87870. Here's a text from the 985. Set best of all worlds, LSU and your Zags possibly scheduled for the West Regional. Oh, trust me, give me a regional final with LSU and Gonzaga, and I will be all in. We'll take a break. Back with more here on The Last Lap. And welcome back to the show. Here's a text from the 504. We should be talking about the no-call floats during Mardi Gras. We can't forget that terrible call, and we need to keep on keeping it relevant. Yeah, I was out at a few parades over the weekend, and I think in every parade I caught something related to the no-call. I caught a, I think a couple of cups and a flag. Was that an Endymion? Which one was that? I can't remember which one was that. I might have been an Endymion after I got off the air on Friday night in the uh, uh, no, I guess it wasn't a Demian. It was Crude Tot because it was Friday night. So, yeah, I think it was Crude Tot that I caught the first one. Caught some in a Demian, too. Caught that one up at uh, in Mid-City. Hey, Logan, back in the studio. Uh, turn on your mic. Uh, do you catch any parades? I know you're not uh, – look, you're from New Orleans. Everybody does Mardi Gras. Um, you catch any parades over the weekend? Uh, no, not over the weekend. My uh, my family did, though. Oh, which ones did they go to? Any Any cool floats? Any cool stories? Uh, not a lot of cool stories. Uh, a couple of them got like, uh, pretty severely like rained on. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, those aren't, well, those are literal cool stories. They probably were pretty cool. Uh, I did, oddly did not get rained on. I don't know how I missed all the rain. I remember that I just kept dodging the rain. I was pretty lucky. Uh, Pelicans leading, actually, no, Pelicans trailing the Jazz 58 to 48. Drew Holiday 18 points in this one coming off that 29 point game against the Denver Nuggets. We've got a break for news. I'm going to come back next hour. Tremont Waters is a finalist for a major award and LSU baseball. I had a weekend from hell. They also had a road trip from hell. Plus, we'll get into a little Pelicans, a little Marsh Madness, high school basketball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.